Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back, and it's Friday, and I got uh, Grifka here. Grifka, what's going on? Uh, nothing much, man. Same old, same old. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. And uh, we are back here for a Friday episode. And for those of you that did not hear our show on Wednesday, you got to go back and check it, because for about... 45 minutes to an hour, me and Grifka basically argued with each other, talked about all types of Lions topics, fandom, you know, draft versus wins, all this other stuff. And next thing we knew, we're like, we can't even talk about Thanksgiving game. I mean, we just went so off track and so crazy. This is nuts. So we're back here today to kind of give you some news and notes. Then we're going to jump in and do a quick review of the uh, football game that we had to watch there on Thanksgiving Day. And then we're going to talk about the Rams coming to Ford Field as well. So, Grifka, what's on your mind this week? Um, just a couple things first. Um, uh, first one really doesn't affect the lines, but uh, I know at one point we were uh, talking about it. And it had to do with uh, Reuben Foster. Um, was he released by the 49ers? The Redskins signed him. And I know the uh, commissioner put him on, like, some special, you know, uh, list that says, you know, hey, you still can't play until we're done investigating you. So, But I know at one point in prior episodes, Ding, you've said, um, you know, you really liked Reuben Foster in that draft and maybe, uh, you know, should have got him instead of Davis. Uh, is this one guy, even with his past history, you think maybe the Lions should have taken a look at him, even if he was out there for a half a second before the Redskins signed him? All right, well, I'll give my quick take on that, Grifka. But, again, I have to remind you about this on, on, on shows. Don't lie to the people when you kind of say, oh, Curry, you liked him in the draft. Like, I can pull up my sheet, Grifka, of our picks because I've been recording them for the last however many years. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that Mike Grifka, as well as about three or four of my other buddies, took Ruben Foster as well. So, um, you know, we, we did not know all of his issues, but we did hear during the draft, you know, not only some medical, but also some off the field. So, I mean, those are things we can't always know as a draft analyst, but I believe you took uh, this guy as well, so don't just pin it on me. But what I want to no, say I on mean, a quick I, I agree with you on that. I agree with okay. you on that. But you didn't say it, so like uh, you tried to pin it on me. Okay, love Foster. What do you think now? My my quick take on it is that like when Bobby Quinn passed on him, we were all kind of like, oh, I don't know, Foster, real good football player. Again, sort of skewing towards the choir boy, skewing towards the the good character, which me and some other friends have always said, man, you can't have all choir boys, man. You got to have some dogs, right? We've talked about that on the show before, and like I think you know as it's played out. I mean, this guy's already had drug issues. He's had multiple issues in San Francisco. When they cut him loose, of course, my eyes kind of went up. Oh, man, that's a big name. That's a a guy that, as a football player, if you take everything else away, I mean, be a nice addition, especially for free, basically. 
but I knew the Lions would stay away, not only because they passed on him in the draft, but also just because of all the issues. And uh, the Redskins are getting a lot of heat right now. But, you know, to me, again, it's just a – it's just kind of what the NFL does. Some of these teams will take an empty flyer, and if it works out, everybody will be looking back and remembering that they got them for nothing. But, I mean, you get a lot of a lot of more issues than just on the field when you when you take a guy or like this after some of the things he's been accused of or has done. So, you know, Lions steer and clear is fine. And looking back on it now, as me, the Big Hughes, you, multiple other friends, me too, is look back and say, okay, you know, we didn't know all the issues Bob Quinn did, and he made a good choice steering clear of this guy. Yeah, after uh, all that, agree with know, me, Grifka. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I have to, uh, I have to agree with your take there. And so it's like one of those things. Now that you look back and you're like, "Woo, wow, well, uh, I guess the Lions got a little lucky there." I mean, I know we bag on Davis, and you know, oh, he's not progressing how we want. It's just like. I mean, at least he's still on the field, at least still learning, and somebody's out there, you know, making tackles or trying to make tackles um, and playing, as opposed to some guy who's like Ryan Pine that was a first, uh, you know, and like it's not even, can't, can't even like, you know, come to the stadium, you know, type thing. So, yeah, I, I guess the lines, uh, you know, them passing on them was actually, you know, dodged a big bullet with that, you know. So uh, I can, uh, I agree with you on that right there. Can I say one other thing, Griff, before we move to uh, another topic? Like, I was talking to the Big Hughes today about this. Like, I think the Lions fans in general, one issue I'm starting to have is that, like, we act like every Sunday we should win. Every draft pick should be an all-pro. Like, we have it all figured out. When really, when you start breaking all this down, you know, again, I've always said the draft's basically a coin flip, you know, like, the NFL is super competitive, 32 teams that are, all have good players, all trying to win. So, like, to me, when you say, you know, uh, you know, Jared Davis isn't doing that well, but at least he's not, like, you know, in trouble off the field. Like, to me, Jared Davis, I just want to throw this out there now because I know we've kind of said, yeah, he struggled in coverage. He's kind of had his issues. Like, you know, again, this is me sort of looking at the pauses. But to me, Jared Davis, Taylor Decker, Graham Glasgow, you know, um, some of these players that Bob Quinn has taken, like they're they're plus players in my book because they're starting on an NFL team, and they're you know I know we love them all to be amazing, but that's just not how it works out in real life. So I think we all need to sort of like figure out our expectation level and understand that you know there's not many teams that go out and win every Sunday. So when the Lions do drop a few games, especially when they drop them to teams that are. Um, better records or better than they are, as we might talk about later in this show, it's not the end of the world. Or when you take a guy in the fourth, third, fourth round, second round, and he doesn't pan out to be an all pro hall of famer, it's not the end of the world. Like he, they can still be starters or decent NFL players and be a good pick or be a better pick than some of these guys that wash out. So I just wanted to get that off my chest that like, yeah, Davis and Decker now, and some of these guys are getting heat, but you could have done a lot worse in those positions, so I still feel good about it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll save the remaining part of that conversation for another show because I want to move on, but uh, um, we have to have a discussion about that. So, uh, um, now just the other point I wanted to get to was uh, you know reading that article this week by Peter King, who uh, you know he's wrote for SI for years, and he always he had that uh, trade proposal that you know could work. You know, he's like, this is this is what the Lions should do. And he was like, the Lions should trade Matt Stafford to the Jaguars. 
and the Jaguars, uh, you know, they may be willing to part with like a first and a fourth round. That was the recommendation King said. So it's like offer Stafford and want a first and a fourth round in return. Now, what do you think about that? Because I still, th- I believe even if the Lions trade Stafford, they're still going to have to, they're still going to have some dead cap. So, and I think it's not, and it's, and it's a pretty healthy amount for that year. I think it still was like thirty million or something like that. I, if I remember correctly, but that's is that one of those things like you would do that for one year? It's like okay, we still got thirty million dollars of dead cap, even though we got two draft picks. I mean, is that something that would interest you? Is is this uh, Griffith in the show where I get to go all uh, draft nerd and talk about salary caps and, and draft assets? Is that where I get to do that? Yes, yes. For a couple minutes, you can do it because I still want to talk about the Bears game and then the Rams game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, perfect. Uh, um, to me, this is a complete, just absolute garbage article. Like, um, it doesn't make any sense really on the surface at all. Like, I mean, yeah, Jacksonville needs a quarterback. Everybody knows that, but um, as d- as down as everybody is on Stafford, as much as he didn't have mojo, like I don't see barely anywhere in the NFL where it makes sense to pay thirty million to not have an above average NFL quarterback that's signed, sealed, and and has been here. Like I think there is a point coming up if he doesn't turn it around where you're gonna need to move on from Matt Stafford, but there's plenty of good ways to do it better than giving him away to, to somebody where you know with that defense he'll probably end up being good. Two, you're just sitting there paying $30 million for nothing. And, you know, I love draft picks, and those draft picks would be nice. But to me, a first and a fourth isn't necessarily enough. And even if you hit a home run in that first rounder, you know, you're still kind of playing a, a Jake Rudock or a nobody at quarterback and have another bad year, and then it's the full rebuild. So – you know, to me, as much as I like picks, as much as I think this could happen in, in maybe two years if if things continue to go south, which, you know, it's another topic for another day. But I don't think they're going to. I think that you can retool with blue chippers on defense. You can um, get a full season of carry on Marvin Kenny and others and, and be better offensively with a better possible coordinator. So absolutely no. I'm punting on this one. And. You know, to me, I don't know what's up with Peter King, man. He's like your boy, uh, Dave Burkett. They just throw out this stuff for clicks. And then, like, I guess Dave Burkett came out and had to – he said, though, how this would never happen. So I, I kind of agree with him. But these guys just write these articles that are just – they're just making it up. Or, hey, I heard from a fifth source that so-and-so – I mean, it's just – it's nothing to me. I mean, I, I could never see this happening. So that's my take. Yeah. Um, once again, I think it's just, uh, like you said, I think it's just somebody just throwing stuff out there to see what sticks to the wall. And uh, everybody's like, yeah, this does make sense. Let's let's try this. Or one of those things where it's like Jacksonville's like, I'm not saying Jacksonville's going to like, their higher ups are going to look at Peter King's article. And it's like, well, maybe not a first and a fourth. What if, what if we try like a, a second and a fifth or something, or, you know, a second and a fourth, you know, they might do that, you know. That's still one of those things, like, I believe, you know, that's still a, you know, like you said, you would go into full rebuild mode at that point because you're still, yeah, $30 million of dead cap with the trade. You know, you're pretty much telling your fans, okay, here's, here's your rebuild. Give us, you know, another three, four years. So, uh, 
Yeah, I wouldn't do this trade either at this point. It's that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's a few things that tweaks that need to be done you know, on the defensive side of the ball, and you know, like you said, it's just I think it's just Peter King just throwing stuff out there and to see what happens. And you know, it's one of those things that you know I don't know if Matt Stafford's become that guy like people always say, trade Barry Sanders, he can go somewhere and win. Trade Calvin Johnson, so he can go somewhere and win. I don't know if anybody's saying that about Matt Stafford, so. It's like I always hear a lot of trade the bum, get rid of the guy. He stinks, you know, stuff like that, as opposed to like let him go somewhere and he can win. So I I I, I wouldn't do this trade. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think like you said, like the tide is turning just as a fan base of, you know, people that even didn't like him. He had a lot of supporters. Each game he doesn't play well, he's losing supporters. Um, but you know, I know I banned this from the podcast, Grifka, but the way I told somebody the other day was just, this isn't baseball. You can't just pay anything you want. You can't just eat money for no reason. Like, it just doesn't work that way in right. the NFL. So. Yeah, and that, the, that's the, why the other team can't pick up the salary and say, like, well, okay, we'll trade them to you and we'll pay, you know, if, you, if you've paid just $10 million of their salary, it'll be okay. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Right. You know, I mean, right. it, it hits the books and the other team has to, to you know, eat the rest of it, you know, eat the rest of it. So, yeah, just the only the positive that I would say, which I sort of hit on, is like, let's say for some reason the rest of this year goes bad, they don't retool as I think they will, and they have another bad year next year, like, yes, then I think you're at the point of either trading or cutting him and saying we're starting over with a new quarterback and like maybe doing which you said, like, nobody wants to do a full reboot, but if it got to that point, like, there's a certain excitement that comes with a full reboot if you do it right and if you do it with exciting players. And we've got so set with this quarterback and this scheme and all the things we've been doing the last, you know, five, six, eight, ten years that I think that's what people want the most is just, like, if this isn't working in the next year or so, hey, it's time for that that drastic change and like I said me and you we're not on that boat but that's where other people are going is they just you know they want something new they want the new shiny toy but um, you know it's not going to happen in the next year or two and even in 2022 is kind of when it really makes sense or really would be evidence so I think we're we're set the next couple years and you know it's uh it's just one of those one of those articles something to talk about but uh you know, I don't see it happening, but uh, yeah. hopefully he gets it together. We we want we want to have a a good quarterback. We paid for one not even a year ago, right? We extended the guy, so exactly. it's pretty early to to punt on it. So yeah, so let's move on. And uh, you know, I know we didn't talk yeah. about the Bears game last episode. So uh, how about we do that? Let's move on to the Bears game. All right, Grifko. Well, if you're gonna um, if you're gonna force me to talk about this game that I had to endure on Thanksgiving with my big plate of mashed potatoes stuffing the famous griff guy the i had the mac and cheese going had uh, some veggies all types of goodness and then i had to to see this monstrosity so my, my headline for the game man is is the the biggest turkey on this day was matt stafford griff we'll get to him but i i felt like the lions for this game i mean everybody was touting how good the bears were and look at their record but I didn't know what to expect when this game kicked off, except that Chase Daniel was at quarterback, and I thought, you know, why can't we beat this team? And I was kind of like, oh, man, no Marv, no carry-on. It's going to be tough. But I thought they played pretty well in this game, kind of hanging in throughout a few plays here or there. Um, The run defense has been crazy. I mean, I think they're averaging less than or right around 50 yards a game in total, and I think somebody threw out a stat. Like, it was either the Bears game or the game before that. 
against Carolina where they got the win that they didn't even allow a 10-yard rush. They've uh, really been stout there in the run game. But uh, Chase Daniel just beat us, man. We made him look like a Hall of Famer, as you would say, and uh, just couldn't do it in the end. So before we talk about Stafford and the late INTs that cost us the game, give give me your overview of this thing. Yeah, that was, uh, it was definitely disappointing that uh, Chase Daniel, what I think it was – or maybe his third start in his whole career or something like that. I mean, they just, it was one of those things like we, I know we harp on our defensive backfield and sometimes they just don't get the pass rush. And yeah, the Lions did a, a, another decent job of shutting, shutting down the run where, you know, that's something that's like, okay, back half, just do your job and we should, you know, be able to win this thing. And that's one of those things where, you know, Chase Daniel was thrown to guys who were wide open and it just wasn't tight coverage. And, it was just disappointing to see that, you know, you know, Matt Stafford, you know, outperformed by Chase Daniel. Cause when that guy announced that he was starting and uh, it was like, Ooh, okay. Thanksgiving and the line should be able to pull this one out. And then to watch it happen. Yeah, it was, it was a close game. I mean, and you know, until like the fourth quarter, I mean, even so, I mean, what they lost by seven and still, I mean, it was. It, it seemed like you know, come the fourth quarter, the game wasn't that close, even though they lost by seven. The way they was, the way it was happening, and that was just sheer disappointment. And I guess my biggest put, my biggest disappointment was, I mean, the Lions still had that outside chance late in the game. All they had to do was stop the Bears, and the Bears had what, like a third and eight, and you know they run the ball off tackle, obviously just trying to you know you know, get tackled in bounds and punt the ball away and save a few seconds for the Lions. But once again, you know, our middle linebacker takes the poorest angle to the, to the, to the run and just, and we're saying, well, he was blocked. Yeah. He was blocked after the running back was by him. I mean, Jared Davis just took a freaking horrible, horrible angle uh, on that, on that, uh, on that play, which allowed, which allowed the running back to get the outside. And, you know, even so, he was still sort of stopped, but then Chicago's offensive tackle just pretty much grabbed the running back and pulled him for the first down, ending the game right there. But the angle that Davis took on that was just – he had the guy who had to make the play. And, you know, he just took a very poor angle once again, which pretty much sealed the deal on that. So that that was, that was one when that happened, I just dropped my head because I was still like – holding out hope that like, okay, if they get the ball back, you know, maybe something happens miraculous on Thanksgiving or the game in overtime. But once that happened, I just dropped my head and I'm just like, give me a break. <laughs> so, so, so hold on, Griff. We, we passed up a couple of things, but first of all, I want to compliment you that you hung in there four quarters and, and that's commendable. So if, if people don't know what I'm referring to, go listen to the last show, but you, you hung in there right to the end, which is what a good fan does. <laughs> what a diehard like yourself does. Now, again, me being the positive guy in this show, you know, we skipped over LeGarrette Blunt. He's a guy that had really been, you know, everybody had written him off. Why is this guy not doing anything? You know, he's been good last few years. He's doing nothing in Detroit. This guy came up big. I want to say had like 80 yards and two touchdowns, really had some nice nice runs, some actual kind of big runs for LeGarrette Blunt too, like some 30, 20, 30 yarders I remember, and got in the end zone pretty easily down tight, so that was nice to see, especially without carry on, like you know, just being able to to kind of still have that run game was a good thing. I know I talked about on my uh, before Thanksgiving show that I expected Zach Center to do 
think he only got a couple touches. I mean, he looked okay when he got the football, but he really wasn't a factor. And then uh, my biggest issue, before we get to that, I got some takes on that final play that you brought up, but the non-explosive dink and dunk, a play here, a play there, a, a botched play, this Lions offense, man. I mean, I've said a couple times on our shows that, like, when I watch the Lions or different parts, it doesn't look like other NFL games I watch. I mean, we be, like, we're always in shotgun. Matt Stafford comes up, tag 52, tag 52. You know, he just does, goes through his motions, gives a few hand signals, hike. You know, it's going to be a six-yard stick route or a, a crossing route to Ellington. You know, it's just like we have nothing explosive. So, like, all day it was this garbage. And then I'm I'm telling my other buddies, I'm like, I'm like when are we going to open it up? When are we going to force it to, to Kenny G? When are we going to get this thing going? course was the first unique play they run it's like a play action rollout stops on a dime throws back across the field to kenny for like 45 yards right um i think they had like a reverse or something in there that was a little bit unique then i'm getting some yards so i i just don't get this offense griff could talk for a second about that about how we just are so boring so basic so robotic because i've been calling matt stafford like i remember when he had crazy mo crazy uh, swag as they call it now he's mr robot back there just going through his steps so i'll throw to this guy because that's what the play says to do i mean we can't win that way we just can't yeah it's uh pretty it seems like a pretty basic offense right now and uh once again i think they're just uh i think the it stems from maybe uh when Caldwell was here and he's just pretty much asking staff and, you know, Hey, don't lose this game. If we don't turn the ball over, we don't lose. So do everything safe. And I just know at one point during the game, I was sitting at my sister's house and uh, I was watching the game and it was, it was like a third and nine and they ran just like something simple. Like you said, out to the flat for like a two yard game. It's not like it was one of those things where they were down at like the 10 yard line. They were just trying to get a little more space for the punter. I mean, it wasn't, terrible field position but you know i think that thing was somewhere probably like a, i think it was between like the 35 and the 40 or something like that on their side of the field and they still ran that play and i and i'm one you know i mean you've seen me watch games before i generally yell at the tv at stupid plays like that or like what are you i'm like what the hell good does that do what does that do and my sister's like so uh you expecting them to answer you back i go that's just one of the dumbest play co- i mean what the heck are you doing I mean, it's just it, it, I'm like that's just a dumb play. I mean, I mean, you're what you're doing is you're just kind of mailing. It. It's like, okay, we're gonna pass it to you. You know, you got to get the last seven yards to get the first down. I mean, that's asking a lot in the pro. I mean, yeah, you see it in high school, you see it in college, but still, that's that's a lot to ask in the pros. It's like here, you know, we got nine yards. Here's a two yard pass. You go get the last seven. And it's just, it, you're right. It always seems like a lot of check down Charlie stuff here. Like, well, we didn't turn the ball over. We're going to leave it up to our defense to get us back. But it just, it's it's terrible offense to watch. And it's, um, like I said, I think it just stems from Caldwell asking them originally, like, oh, if you don't turn the ball over, you know, we don't lose. There's a better chance. You know, we don't, you know, as long as we don't lose the turnover battle, you know. I got you. It's, I think that's what this, what this offense has become. <laughs> I, uh. On that same play that you referenced, I think I yelled out, 
freaking looks like Eli Manning. Because, like, every time I catch a Giants game, anytime there's any rush, Eli Manning's just looking for Saquon to dump it off so he doesn't take a hit or so. He doesn't even care what the down and distance is. Just get it out of my hands. It was like, like you said, third and third and medium or extra long it was a three-yard route like i was just like what's that gonna do man it was just that kind of stuff and we might as well get to it right now grifka i mean it's a tight ball game you know not playing great but still playing pretty good defensively you know made a few plays here or there got down there towards some rushing touchdowns getting down deep into the to the area again or the first one i guess we're gonna talk about these matt stafford ints which you know, to me, the first one is just got a bunch of friends blowing me up, just going 10 years. He's making rookie mistakes. And I'm like, to on that play, like when I first saw it, I'm kind of like, oh, man, good play by Eddie Jackson, who was a guy I liked in the draft, by the way, Griff. I got that on paper somewhere where I took him in a bunch of uh, mocks that I did. But this guy's been incredible. And, like, he snuck down there and sort of made his way over there. So I'm like kind of giving him credit, and then I see it a couple times on replay, and I'm just like, no, that's you should be able to see him on the on the replay. It was pretty obvious that he was sort of in sight. The throw still wasn't even a good enough throw to the outside, and and that's robot again. That's just throwing to the hot because that's what it tells you rather than using your brain. Like I watched Deshaun Watson the other night. I mean, yeah, this guy snaps it, and you can see him bouncing in the pocket, going through his reads. He's not just throwing to an area just because, you know. So I, I thought that was just a terrible pick. And then, I mean, I want to talk about this other one of Michael Roberts, but, I mean, what would you think on the pick six that basically was looked like a, a throw that a rookie would make? You know that what that reminded me of? It reminded me of that pick six in the Jets game. You know, where it's like, oh, we know this play is the, the one they're going to run, and the guy just, like, stepped in front of it. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. what it reminded me of right there. It was like, it's like almost like he knew it was coming. So it's like, oh, okay, this is the play they're going to run. I, I, don't, I don't doubt it. Like, it felt like you said, he had, they dialed up the right defense, and we did exactly what we're programmed to do, and they were all over it because they had seen it on tape, and they know, okay, if we bring the house – and they're in this formation. Matt Stafford just going to throw it out to the tight end no matter what. So I think it was a total tape study and total just read our book kind of play, no doubt about it. I mean, but it's still inexcusable. Like Matt Stafford needs to see the defender f- flying out to that area and throw it out of bounds or take a sack. I mean, it was just – what was it? It was like a first, second down too. It wasn't even a, a deep third, and we're deep in our territory. You know, we don't have anything going. It, it wasn't a play you had to make at that point. Right, exactly. So that's just all. So it's like okay. Yeah, yeah. So this other one, I mean, I've had people try to explain this second pick to me. So we're driving, what, like a minute, minute thirty left in the game, Grifka, going down to, was it to tie it or take the lead? This would have tied it. This is late in the game. Would have tied it, or with the extra point, would have tied it. Hmm. Okay, I thought we were down like you know, five or something where this could have actually uh, given us the lead. But anyway, so we're, we're driving down there and like we're in great, I think we're in, you know, we're inside, just outside the 10, something like that. I mean, we're tight to the end zone. I think it was, man, I wish I had this in front of me first, second down. I mean, again, it wasn't a third and long or anything. And, and you got your tight end out to the flat, which again, how many times have we mentioned that Mike Roberts is a red zone guy? 
It's what he does. It's why he was brought here. He's got the big hands, the big body, but he's also kind of a clumsy, you know, um, what do we call him? Sort of a, a hit or miss type of guy, you know, not a great hustler, not a precision route runner, obviously. But when you watch this play over and over again, I mean, Mike Roberts, even if he's supposed to run to the flat, run to the pylon or whatever, he kind of gets bumped off his route. And I just don't understand why Matt Stafford would just, like, throw it up the way he did. I mean, the guy wasn't looking at him. He didn't have body position. Uh, he's playing a corner, so it wasn't like he had some clumsy linebacker on him that wasn't going to be able to do anything. And Matt Stafford just, like, for some reason, probably because the play told him, oh, hey, that's a good matchup pre-snap. He just decided he was going to throw it there, and then he got a little pressure and freaked out and just threw this ball up. I mean, to me, it was an absolutely inexcusable throw. I don't put this really on Mike Robb at all, even if he got bumped off his route. I kept telling friends, I was like, all he had to do was throw his howitzer to the front pylon. It's a touchdown. I mean, he still had position on him. He just, instead of throwing right to the guy where he was open, he just threw it to a spot for no reason. I mean, inexcusable, terrible pick, totally on number nine. I mean, gave the game away. Yeah, that's uh, I was like reading stuff. It's just like that was a push off by the defense. That should be pass interference. I'm just like, fine. Yeah, maybe you could call that, but still, that was just that was just a poor throw. And then he like, I remember after the interception, like Stafford looked at him and scowled and like did some hand gesture saying, you know, you should have done this. And it's just like, well, here's an idea. Maybe you shouldn't have thrown such a crappy pass. You that's know? the so, other thing. I like I hate to break on any Griffith, but I'm glad you brought that up. The Matt Stafford, like, I keep saying he's got to get his mojo back. He's got to get that fire. But this hands on your head, pointing where you should have went, like, this is supposed to be the guy that never throws anybody under the bus, supposedly the right thing. It does not matter on that play if Mike Roberts is supposed to go to a different spot. You visually saw he was not in that spot. He wasn't going to get to that spot. It wasn't like had he turned up and saw you, he was going to run back three, four yards and jump in the air and – that's on you man and like yeah there can be miscommunications at times this was not one of those where you got to be pointing at your guy or like oh i thought you were going to do this it's like no you know uh to me those only work when it's a deeper route and you have to sort of cut it loose before the defense is you know there before a guy gets in a window it doesn't happen inside the 10 to a big tight end that is sitting right in front of your face yeah. garbage and to be honest with you i don't think matt stafford has that clout you know with the team or the league where he can just say like, why, why didn't you do this? You were supposed to do this. You it's just like, yeah, okay, buddy, you know, just, you know, pump the brakes there. You know, you're, you're not Tom Brady, you know, or cause well, I've seen Tom Brady do that. If a guy runs the wrong route, he'll like get, he'll like jump in his crap, but it's Tom Brady. Okay. I mean, but the only thing I'd he's, say to he's, that, he's won plenty enough. He's done plenty enough where he can do that, you know? So, yeah. But the only thing I'd say to that is like, you know, if I had to pick one guy that probably knows our offense, through and through better than anybody it is our quarterback and I don't I don't see Mike Robb as a as a playbook scholar you know what I mean like I could see him forgetting a play or messing it up you know things like that so I get that but and here's the other side of the coin remember when I think it was two years ago we have a late game and like your boy Ebron catches a ball and doesn't get out of bounds. I remember Matt Stafford gave him that get the bleep out of bounds and was yelling at him. Oh man, I had to hear about that on sports radio for like two weeks, how he was so great. He was leading the team. He was getting after people. So there's a good and a bad, but yeah, this, this hands on my head pointing and then just the 
unbuckle my chin strap, run off the field, knowing I just lost the game for us. I mean, we've seen too much of that recently, no doubt about it. Yeah, let's move on from this game and you know, let's go to something else. This is just depressing. Yeah, so the last thing, though, just to button it up, is that so I put this loss on Stafford. I think the run defense was better. I liked what LG did. I liked it when they finally got the ball to Kenny. And to me, this was, again, the season. Like, you could have won a division game. You could have won a game on holiday when everybody's watching you. And you do the complete opposite, which is you give a game away. Your quarterback gives it away. You don't leave yourself basically anything to play for now at or after Thanksgiving. I mean, it couldn't have ended up any worse than it did. I mean, it was, I know we want to move on, but that has to be said. There was a lot lost with those two throws by Matt Stafford, not only on the field, but off. Yeah. So um, let's do this. Let's, uh, and then let's talk about this tough game coming up on Sunday against the, uh, against the Rams. Um, once again, the uh, Rams, one of the hottest teams in football. Um, they're throwing up a lot of points. You know, they got a good defense. Uh, once again, I know you you love it when I say this. The West Coast team coming east for a one o'clock start. Um, I, I guess my first question of this: I remember uh, when uh, Golf got drafted. He was a uh, he came out of Cal, or I believe, and it was one of those things where um, when I believe Sonny Dykes was the coach. And the, the thing was with Sonny Dykes when he's a coach is like his. They always like say like, oh, look at all these quarterbacks that always come out, but they can only ever read like half a defense, and they never turn out to be anything any good because all they do is stare at half the field. And they never worry about the uh, the other half. So that's kind of what they're trained to do. So, you know, I've I thought Goff, you know, you know, wouldn't turn out to be what he is. And I remember after you know Jeff Fisher, it seemed like, you know, Jeff Fisher's always touted as one of these great coaches in the NFL, and it seemed like he was just kind of like saying that this guy wasn't very good. Um, did you ever think that golf would turn out to be, you know, what he's turned out to be? I mean, I think he's probably one of the premier, you know, quarterbacks in this league. I mean, he's leading this high-powered offense. Did Did you see Jared Goff turning out to to be this way for this team? I mean, he's going to give the, this uh, Lions defense some major problems this weekend. Uh, well, Grifka, like uh, one of your other favorites, and. Uh, said back in the day, you know, they, they took him number one for a reason. and uh, But don't put him in the Hall of Fame yet, right? Isn't that what Jim Schwartz used to say? Um, yeah. I, I think they took him number one for a reason. I mean, this guy had the skills, the abilities. I'm really uh, – you just put him in the upper echelon. Like, you know, I think he's on a great team with explosive offensive weapons. You know, of course, an innovative, aggressive – play caller slash head coach so I think that's what makes this guy I mean I think you could you could put Matt Stafford on a team like this and see similar results so don't get me wrong you know I'll give Jared Goff's credit for the way he's played this year the last couple of years he's really made a big uptick but I think that's a lot to do with the system the people around him and him just making the plays that are there to be made I mean he doesn't miss I've seen deep balls the last few weeks from him in some of these primetime games, he's not spewing the ball high, low. It's right on target. I mean, you got to give him credit, but I'm not putting him in the upper echelon. I think he's, you know, top 10, but I'm not putting him up in that, uh, you know, elite, elite category. But 
we're going to talk about yeah, some of his other Tom players Brady. around him. Yeah, he's are, not Tom Brady or Drew Brees or you know Aaron Rodgers, but you know top ten. I got. I, mean, I never. I, I never thought he'd even be a top ten. To be honest with you, I always thought he'd be one of those middle of the road guys. So uh, to say to, to say he's doing what he's doing, you know, it just. I mean, I guess you could say like, well, he has all this talent around him. That's why. I mean, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's one of those quarterbacks. If you put him on a team with lesser talent, if he actually makes guys around him better, you know. So, yeah. but I, I I don't know if that's the case or not. I got to bell you for like your third or fourth Tom Brady reference of the, of the podcast. But um, you know, again, top ten for a, a number one overall pick. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, I didn't think the guy was going to be in the twenties. Like if they took him that high and. Um, once I saw them putting guys around him or Todd Gurley was already there. So, you know, we'll see what he does. I mean, I think it's a great matchup for him against the Lions indoors. But, uh, I mean, he's no world beater. He's just uh, he's doing what's what's there, and, and he's got a lot of pieces. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, so let's talk about some of those pieces that he has. I mean, uh, I, I know this came up on a prior podcast. Um, that the Rams have probably one of the, the better uh, wide receiving cores out there. Um, and I know we have already spoken about, you know, uh, the Lions defensive backfield. And, you know, there's one Darius Slay, so he can only cover one of those guys. Uh, is there anything really the Lions can do to even slow down this offense some? I mean, Gurley's probably one of the best running backs in the game right now. And I know the Lions have really uh, – improve their run defense this year, you know, with uh, the addition of Snacks Harrison. But, you know, Gurley does so much more than just run the ball up the middle. I mean, catching on the backfield, he's fast to go with those guys, you know, uh, you know, you know, Cooper Cup and, you know, Brandon Cooks, you know, I just, I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm seeing a very, very tough matchup, you know, across the board for this defense. Is there anything that the Lions can possibly do to, like, slow these guys down? Well, like, I mean, as you're going through that, I'm kind of uh, going through in my head. I mean, the Lions are getting a break that Cooper Cup is uh, not going to be out there. He's uh, he's up on the IR, I believe, out for the year. He um, he would be a nightmare for the Lions. I mean, if he was in this game, I would see him just torching um, underneath and all over the field against our second, third corners. But – I mean, with that injury, with the Lions being a little more stout in the run game and being able to probably match up Slay with um, with Cooks, I mean, if he, as long as he can run with Cooks, I'm, I'm thinking that you're going to have to worry about Robert Woods. And uh, if they really want to feature and force feed Todd Gurley both in the run game but more so the pass game, I mean, I could see after three, four good weeks of run defense, I could see Gurley kind of just – hurting us in lots of areas, but I mean, I think we played these guys a year or two ago, you know, played them well. They had some of these pieces then. I mean, their defense is something I'm sure we'll get to, but you know, their defense has improved in some areas, but uh, I see this game being indoors. I see them having a few too many weapons that, yeah, as long as Nevin Lawson is out on the field, he's an absolute liability. He'll get torched. And hopefully we can slow down Gurley. And uh, it seems like every time Slay goes against somebody, you know, he does pretty well to really well. So, I mean, I don't look for this to be a big Brandon Cooks game, but he does seem to show up most. I think it's going to be tough for the Lions, but without Cooper Cup and 
if Snacks and the boys up front are firing, I mean, I could see it being closer than you would think, and I could also see a blowout. So I'm kind of torn both ways in this game right now. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm not quite for sure, you know, what the Lions can do on this. I, I just think even on the run game, like you said, Gurley can do so much more, you know, catching the ball at the backfield. I, the Lions, I don't believe, have a linebacker at all that can match up with this guy, you know, you know, coming out of the backfield at all. And just with the depleted defensive backfield, even, you know, using a safety or somebody like that, they're going to have to use all those guys, you know, to cover the wide receivers. And, and, and like you said, you know, Cooper Cup being out, it's nice. You know, I mean, it's, it's a distinct plus for the Lions having to try to stop this offense. But, you know, even with the Melt, the Rams have been, you know, scoring scoring some points so it's just it's just uh it's uh gonna be a very tough tough uh task for this defense to uh, come up big and you know i know you can get the ding out you know with the defense playing for some pride here you know trying to show that they, they still can play so grifka before we before we move on like since you ride on me sometimes uh who who by the way uh texted you at some point and said, uh, man, the Lions might want to look at Cooper Cup in the second round. And what was your response to that text? Do you remember? Yeah, I didn't think he'd be very good. Yeah. And that would be you. I didn't think he'd be very good because he played at a small school, played on some ugly red turf up at Eastern Washington. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, I just, I'm always, like, leery of those small school wide receivers simply because they don't uh, play against the top caliber. But, yeah, you were right on that one. And I remember right when I wrote you, it was because – each year I've kind of been getting more into like watching senior bowl and like, I don't get to see all these guys cause I'm not as big of a, a college football guy across the board. If it's not Michigan football, you know, it's sort of off my radar, but you see this guy at the senior bowl. I mean, no one could cover him every time it was a touchdown. He was just torching guys. And then in the game, he had a good game and, you know, all the buzz was about them. So, like, when they start stacking these things on top of each other, college production, good senior bowl, just watching him play, you could tell he was going to be a good NFL, like, slot to underneath receiver that, yeah, he doesn't have all the measurables, but he was just unguardable the way he would run routes. So the Lions are going to have to sort of find a guy like that that maybe he's not 6'4", 225, but can slice people up with his route running underneath and score touchdowns, and that's what this guy does. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But, man, uh, the other thing, just to bring it up while we're talking about the weapons, is, uh, you know, I do not like – Sean McVay versus us like we're so unimaginative and kind of bland in certain areas and you know this guy's gonna have some crazy something even if his offense is sputtering he's gonna call a play out of nowhere that's gonna just have us totally fooled I think yeah I mean I yeah he'll have uh he'll definitely have some uh gadget plays I know that's the pro term for it and it's a trick plays in college but it's called gadget plays in the pros if needed he'll uh, be more than willing to uh, rip those out to uh, make the Lions defense look foolish I'm just not for sure if he's actually going to need them or not um let's uh let's talk about uh the Lions offense going against this defense now uh now uh like I said carry on being hurt um and you know even though LeGarrette Blunt did have a good uh, good game on Thanksgiving and you know, Zach Zenner's in there now. Um, the line, the the Rams' uh, defensive front seven, uh, probably one of the better ones in the league. Uh, 
you know, they can uh, get to the quarterback. I mean, we all know they got Donald and Sue down there at one point. Could have been, that could have been the Lions tandem, but, uh, you know, uh, they didn't, uh, they ended up taking your, your, your favorite tight end of all time, Eric Ebron. But, uh, do you think the Lions, uh, can, uh, continue at least some sort of run game against these guys? Or is this going to have to fall on the arm of Matt Stafford to try to pass him to a victory? Because, you know, they, the Rams, you know, we talked about this in the preseason and, uh, that uh, I thought they could be passed on, even though they, you know, they traded for a guy. And you know, but uh, Kansas City, and I know Kansas City's offense is way more dynamic than anything Detroit can throw. But you know, Kansas City throwing up some points on these guys, and you know, some teams have scored on the Rams. Um, do you think the Lions are this going to have to be, you know, all on Matt Stafford and his arm trying to get, you know, Kenny Boy and uh, Ellington to win this game, or do you think maybe the, you know, the run offense will show up some? <laughs> oh man, Griffka, lots to talk about there. I mean, uh, I don't think it's an either or with this game because, you know, if we can or we can't run it, I mean, this isn't a team where you just oh, you know, you drop back forty times. I, I don't, I don't like dropping back with ninety nine and ninety three in the middle there, just coming to absolutely decapitate our quarterback. So. Um, unless Matt Stafford's figured out something in the last week or he really gets it cooking, dropping back a bunch of times isn't a winning recipe against any team in my book right now. So, yeah, I think they're going to have to not only be balanced because of that, but because they want to work clock. You know, they want to keep the ball out of the Rams' hands if possible. So I think the only way you win this game is you have a crazy balanced offense. You know, you find a way to deal with these guys in the middle. And you make a few big plays. I mean, when's the last big over-the-top touchdown you remember from the Lions? Like, it made me laugh when you said, are Kenny Boy and Bruce Ellington going to be able to get it done? I was kind of like, man, as much as I've touted Kenny Galladay, like, did you think we'd be saying that here in, you know, week 12, 13, whatever it is? Like, hey, I hope Kenny Galladay and Bruce Ellington can get it done. It's like, oh, man, that doesn't sound very good, especially when you're going against a team like this. So, I mean, I, I – to be honest, I think they'd really have to pull a few rabbits out of their hat offensively and um, block, get some block up front. I mean, I want your quick take on, on Frank Ragnar. I know you weren't a big fan of the draft pick. Do you have any take on what you've seen so far? Do you think he can deal with an Aaron Donald there, uh, probably lined up right over top of him? Or? I, um, honestly, no. I mean, I haven't seen – anybody really handle Aaron Donald one-on-one everything's got you know even before uh, Sue showed up on that team that was one of those things where teams were still having to double team you know you know at least I'm not saying handle him but I'm saying I mean is he going to be able to survive is he going to be decent or is he going to get blown up every other play like you said happens to most guys against him yeah I think uh I think Aaron Donald is so head and shoulders above what Frank Ragnow has seen so He's going to, uh, if he doesn't get help, he's he's going to get ate up, ate up alive by him. That's uh, one of those things where, that's one of those things where you're going to have to have Glasgow and uh, Ragnell, you know, block Aaron Donald, which he can still split the double team because he's quick enough to do that. And you're going to have to hope that you know, um, what Wiggins on the other side can handle Sue, <laughs> which I yeah I don't think that's going to happen either. So. Right. And here's a, just a feather for your cat, Grifka. I agree with you on this one. I think that uh, we don't have an Oakry Bell. Of course, we only have Grifka Bell. But I agree with you because I think that uh, 
like I've was a proponent of rag now and I've sort of liked some things I've seen, but I've definitely seen him on some roller skates this year getting pushed around. And I think you're going to notice that on Sunday, even if they try to kind of slide Glasgow over or deal with these guys with some double teams, like there's been a lot of pressure coming right up the middle and getting through that shouldn't. So I don't see that change in this Sunday. Yeah. The biggest thing about Donald is, I mean, what is it? He's like, I think maybe in cleats six feet. I mean, that's, he's, he's not that tall, but he's strong and he's fast. So it's one of those things like it's all leverage with him. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not big and strong, like, you know, snacks, you know, just clogging up holes. He, he just gets good leverage and he can bull rush that way. But if it's one of those things, he can just knife through a double team with this quickness and you'll get underneath, you know, bad technique or something like that and just be in a defensive or offensive backfield. And that's the, that's what makes him so dangerous. So that's, yeah, it it could be a long, a long Sunday afternoon for uh, that offensive line. I'm with you on all that, man. I'm I'm right there with you. So hopefully we're wrong, but it's going to be tough in the trenches. No doubt about it. This might be one of those things where they, the Lions have to, they have to play Theo Riddick more, you know, run more screens, you know, do something, you know, run plays out to the flat just to try to slow down that pass rush more. I mean, I don't think draw plays are going to work. They just they just don't seem to work for the Lions. I mean, that's I don't know if they're just blocked wrong or something, but it just seems like draw plays don't work. They might have to run more screens or little swing passes, you know, just to get the ball out of Stafford's hands quicker too, you know, the running back. So that might be something they have to do uh, this Sunday coming up. Uh, yeah, I think Theo's been better. I mean, hopefully he can uh, keep it going. He's uh, been using him a little bit better and a little bit more because they have to, but he's got a skill set. they got to use it. Right. And I was thinking about this, you know, you know, as and as I knew we were going to talk about this game. D- d- is there any matchup on the field, offensive-wise, defensive-wise? I mean, where you think the Lions have have the edge? I mean, you can even throw in special teams if you want. If you, I mean, that might be the only edge they have is, is Matt Prater. But is there anything just like, yeah, I like this matchup here, and this is what they have to exploit. I'm not talking like the complete, you know, defensive line, you know, but, you know, hey, they might be able to, like, you know, get the edge on offense against this guy. Is, is there anything you see like that in the field? Because, honestly, me, I don't see there's one thing on the field where the Lions, you know, one matchup against, you know, wide receiver against defensive back, you know running back against a linebacker that the Lions have that edge? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you, you brought it up in two different ways. You already talked about some other offenses sort of getting after the Rams a little bit. I mean, they have a great record, but I've seen some games where they've given up some points. So I think you hit on Theo Riddick. I mean, I don't, I don't think the um, Rams have a stellar linebacker core. You know, like they used to kind of have a Laurinaitis in the in the middle there, and he always kind of was the captain of that defense. I mean, Ogletree's gone. I, I don't think they have an absolute beast there, so you might be able to get Theo in some decent matchups. I mean, I think him, and again, I sort of mentioned it. I mean, Tlaib might be back on the outside for them, which he's a good corner, and I could see him getting his hands on a football if Matt Stafford's not uh, careful with it, but... I mean, you got to find ways to beat people over the top. I feel like the Rams are a team that could be had um, defensively in the pass game or on some deep trick-type plays, but they can also get after you 
in the rush game, as we already talked about with good old Wade Phillips calling up some crazy defenses and whatnot. So I think Theo out of the backfield or just using him in some unique ways and uh, and stretching the field. I mean, even if you throw it downfield, a lot of times it's either a catch or a penalty, and we don't we don't force it enough to where the refs are on notice or we can get those calls that we need. So. I think those are the two areas they'd have to look at, and, uh, and uh, that's going to be the way that you either make plays or, you know, when they do get close, it's going to have to be touchdowns, not field goals. That's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah like I said, I kind of gave my take on it before, saying I, I really didn't see a matchup. I, I just I just think it's going to be a really tough week, and you know, for the Lions, you know, with uh, them kind of, you know, playing for pride, ding, and uh, – not much to play for, but uh, let's put it this way. Let's uh, why, why don't you give me your, your yeah? Why don't you give me your prognostication? What are you seeing for a score, and who do you got winning this game? Okay. Before I do that, I, I need you to spell prognostication, Griffin. Um, B <laughs> rostication or something like that. <laughs> Hold on, what's the spelling B? <laughs> yeah, I think you could you use it in a sense. <laughs> I think you've been out on that one. Yeah, you would have needed the uh, the state of uh, what do they call it, not the state of or- the uh, origin of the word, or yeah, all that yeah. type of stuff. But um, yeah. I, I mean, plain and simple. I mean, we've gone back and forth a lot the last couple shows about rooting for this team. You know, draft picks. What do we have to play for? I mean, this is just a. As much as we're on the Kool-Aid cast, and I would love an absolute upset when nobody's expecting it. It's the NFL. Any given Sunday, how many times have I said that? But you've hit on it. I don't see many good matchups. I don't think the Lions are playing good football. I think all these injuries to some of their key players are really going to hurt them the next however many games. I mean, if we're coming in this game with Marv, Kenny, carry on Stafford feeling good if he was playing good and uh, the defense kind of do what they're doing I'd feel better but I mean none of those things are going our way right now so I see this being probably like a Rams 35 Lions you know jeez like I said I can't really give the Lions much points because they just I don't feel they have the mojo or the weapons right now so I'm going to go like 35 20 Thirty-five twenty. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I know. Uh, in the preseason, and I know, like I mentioned it, you know, you know, coming into this, uh, once again, it's the old uh, West Coast team coming east. You know, one o'clock start. So generally, those teams will be sleeping a little bit and uh, thinking maybe the Lions, uh, you know, could be like lying in the weeds a little bit right here with the Rams thinking, okay, it's only the Lions. We got this. You know, we're pretty high on ourselves. You know. Uh, you know, we could we could just strap the helmets on, go in there, punch them in the face, and take their candy. You know, however you want to do it. Oh, you know, uh, you're gonna break the bell, Griff, because this is incredible. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm working for. I think you'll get another one. But um, that's this is one of those things where you know I don't think there's any good matchups, and I think the was that the Ram the Rams were averaging what like 33 points a game or something like that. You know, they're averaging some something huge. I mean, this is like going back to the old greatest show on turf right now. So uh, this um, this is going to be uh, this game. I, I don't think it's going to even be close. This this one might be put to bed by halftime. So uh, I'm, I'm predicting something to the effect of like the Rams 38, the Lions 17. This, this one, I think the Rams are going to try to uh, put this one to bed early. And if there was actually backups, you know, to do mop-up work, they'd be in there. So uh, – 
that, that's what I'm predicting for this game. I see the Rams winning this one, 38-17. All right, you had to you had to sort out Doomy by a couple points each way, didn't you? I, uh, I sure hope it doesn't go that way for our team and hope they can hang in there and surprise us, but it's just not a good mm-hmm. matchup, not playing well, and uh, – and, you know, it's almost, which, again, this isn't my style normally, but I, I'm almost in the halfway prove me wrong type of thing because uh, there's not much to hang my hat on right now, which is hard to say. But, um, you know, I have somebody at work who's a huge, huge Rams fan, and I haven't been talking any smack, haven't been uh, saying anything because I have no reason to. But, you know, I might yuck it up and, and tell them we'll get a victory. Uh, we'll see what happens just for just for fun, put a little something on the line maybe just to uh, see if, if the Lions can pull it out. But, yeah, but we'll see what happens come Sunday. So yeah. uh, we both got a big yeah. loss, and uh, we'll see. Yeah. Since uh, we talked about both Thanksgiving and this game, uh, let's, not, let's not do any questions, man, so let's not drag this out any longer. So we'll get back to the questions and uh, some of our other takes and, you know, come next week. So uh, how about you say we get out of here for for this Friday? do that but can, can you give me one or two more other griffkaisms so i can use the bell a couple more times <laughs> do, do i want the lines to win yes will they no <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> one more give it to the people this one, is why they listen let's see um let's see jared goff i mean he's no jim Everett or anything like that but uh you know you gotta you go. You gotta it. go, Montana or Namath. Come on. I want to go back to Rams. Let's go, Jim Everett. <laughs> All right. I can say half of our listening audience. Okay, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's no Eric Dickerson, but he, but he's pretty he's really good. So let's just say that. <laughs> All right. You've. Uh, I got mad respect for Eric Dickerson. He was one of my favorite running backs when I was a kid. So. <laughs> oh man. Okay. You've given the people what they want, Griffka. That's what I wanted to end the show on. So we've had a couple tough shows with the team not playing well. Us kind of having some arguments but good way to end it and uh, we'll see what happens this Sunday you know NFL you just never know and uh, we will uh, we'll see what happens I mean Grifka we might have to talk about it next week I did put the draft board up this week for 2019 I've got the prospects going up so if things do take it a little bit more of a turn we'll be talking draft uh, before you know it but um, everybody drinking that Detroit Kool-Aid you know root for your team see what happens this week and uh Hopefully they can uh, surprise us against the Rams. But for me and for Grifka and for the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, we're going to get out of here this week and we'll catch you guys next week right here. Take care. This Sunday, I'm going to give you what you crave, what everybody here craves. Drink it in, man.